Welcome to the Beach Church Weekly Message Podcast. This week was Father's Day and we had an awesome time celebrating our dads. In fact, we had some dads with us. Pastor Jerry had a panel and we had a discussion about what is it to be a dad who follows after Jesus. We think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Want to let you know a couple of things coming up. Our Beach Church Beach Day, June 26th. After each service, we are having a beach party. We're just walking across the street, going to the 8th Avenue Access, and hanging out with our Beach Church family. So we encourage you, come to the services ready to go for that beach day. Grab your chairs after service, and we'll go out there together. Also, if you go to todayatbeach.com, one of the things you're going to find is our Global Leadership Summit. That's right. We are working on multiplying leaders here at Beach Church by streaming this summit on August 4th and 5th. So if you are not able to make it in person, you can actually sign up to do it virtually as well. So go to todayatbeach.com to find out about that. And now to our panel discussion with our dads. All right. So, welcome. Uh, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room and those that have an opportunity to influence the next generation. Uh, We're so glad. I'm glad to be joined by my friends here today. Instead of just one guy with a mic talking about Father's Day, we got a bunch of guys up here. They're going to be sharing. And our whole intent is really just to focus on one thing, and it's not perfect parenting because there is no perfect father but the Heavenly Father, and uh, we're all just doing our best with His help, right? So our whole intent and purpose today is really just to talk about how do you intentionally pour into the next generation when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. And so that's going to be our focus point today. Uh, before we do that, I've got a couple of things I wanted to share. First of all, amazing kids camp this past week. Guys, we had, we had, uh, and I'm so grateful, we had over 200 volunteer uh, students and adults who really brought the monumental love of Jesus to over 500 children. It was an amazing week, lots of energy, and uh, God did some amazing things, so we're very grateful for that. Uh, Second thing I wanted to mention, uh, many of y'all know uh, Pastor Michael Young. He started out as an intern with us. He wound up, he's on staff as our serve pastor, and uh, he's shared a lot of the rotations with our teaching team. Uh, He and his wife, Sarah, have answered a call to go back into the mission field, and uh, that is going to happen here in just a few weeks. They're going to be moving up to Detroit. Yes, there are mission fields everywhere, not just in other countries, right here in the United States. And so uh, I hope that you'll be praying for them. Uh, Make sure to let them know how much they have meant to you. But also on July 10th, that's a Sunday, we are going to uh, have after both services uh, in Block 84, there's going to be kind of a little informational gathering where you can go and learn more about what Pastor Michael is going to be doing as they go back into the mission field. And I hope you'll take the opportunity to go to that, hear more about uh, how you can be praying for them, how you can support them as well as, uh, as, they, as they go. All right. So with that being said, guys, we're going to jump into our conversation. Uh, I wanted to start with a passage that's from Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 4. And uh, it says this, 
Fathers, take your children by the hand. Take your children by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. And and the reason I wanted to share that passage today is because um, I think a lot of times we as men especially are very intentional about a lot of things in life. You know, we're intentional about uh, our careers. We're intentional about, you know, maybe moving up the ladder uh, in, in, in our jobs. Uh, we're very intentional about providing financially for our families. We're, we're even intentional a lot of times about being involved in our kids' lives and, and discipline and all of that. But sometimes we, we've kind of missed the boat when it comes to being intentional about passing the baton of faith, about uh, being able to share the love of Jesus in such a way that our children realize that, that it's important. And, um, and a lot of times we forget that we have such a tremendous opportunity. And regardless of what you might think, you have tremendous influence over the hearts and the lives of your children. And if you're not a biological or adoptive or fostering father, you are a male role model in some child or teenager's life. And we all have tremendous opportunity so that we can live in this life-giving relationship with Jesus in such a way that out of the overflow of that relationship with Jesus, we have an opportunity to impact the next generation. And here at Beach, we don't believe uh, that, you know, in kind of the world's messaging to parents these days, that the real goal of of parenting is to raise well-rounded children. Now, that's important, but that's not at all the message we want to communicate to parents here at Beach. We believe that we are here to raise up Christ-centered world changers, to raise up spiritual champions, and that takes a whole lot of intentionality. So, uh, calling all my friends here to help us understand what does it mean to intentionally, intentionally help point the next generation to Jesus. So, take a moment for each of you guys to introduce yourselves, how long you've been here at Beach, and a little bit about your family. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Casey Quinniff. Uh, this is a picture of my family, my amazing wife, Stephanie. Uh, my three kids, my oldest is uh, seven, Eliana. Uh, Fallon is five, and Warner is two. And we've been at Beach Church for about six years. So my name is Don Jacobs. I have been on staff here for 18 years. Uh, and Married to Dottie, who next week we will be celebrating our 51st uh, anniversary. I can guarantee you she's up for sainthood. Um, (laughs) I have four children. I'm not going to break down their ages, but they range from 40 to 48. My oldest daughter told me at the first service, then you told them how old I am. So... I didn't say that out, out loud. Uh, and then I have three grandchildren, uh, Bryce, who is 21. Then I have Miller, who is four. And then I have Leo, who is one. 
morning, everybody. I'm Mike Kozlowski. My wife, Cheston, and I have been members of Beach Church for 14 years. And we've got two boys, Andrew and Harrison. They're 13 and 15. And uh, we're, just, we're just getting life done. I'm uh, Marty Manley, and I am the single parent representative. <laughs> uh, this is a picture of me and my two daughters, Marley and Peyton. Um, and I did want to say that about seven months ago, God answered a prayer and uh, found me a woman that not only could love me, but chose to love me too. Thank you, Beth. And uh, thank you, Larry, who's here also, her, her dad. He made me the luckiest man in the world. All right. So what we're going to do today, uh, there are these values, family values that our beach kids use that uh, come from a book called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. And uh, we're going to take uh, questions from uh, this book. If you're, if you're interested in the book, we'll have some stuff on Today at Beach where you can see where to order the book. But it's a great book on parenting. So one of the first values it talks about is make it personal. And what that means is if faith is not important to you, it probably will never transfer to your kids as well. So the question I'd like to ask y'all to begin our conversation today is what, why is it, why is your relationship with Jesus so important to how your child grows in faith, your relationship? Yeah, so I think for me, making it personal is, is pretty much paramount for me growing up and, and not being in church and on a good year, it was Christmas and Easter, which don't raise your kids on just Christmas and Easter. They're missing a whole lot of Jesus. Um, and then, you know, g- getting saved in your mid-20s after just, you know, going down the wrong path. Um, I- I'm not going to, you know, leave that up to like, oh, you know, somebody else can tell my kid about Jesus. That's 100% my job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, making it personal, it- it's a part of my life. It's-, it's a part of our weekend. Like, you know, church is carved out. Um, so it, it, you know, the, the personal part of it is huge for me and my family. It's hard to lead if you've never been there. So following Jesus is essential in my eyes to leading our children and the example that we get to set for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything more impactful than somebody's witness and what they've gone through and where they've trusted God at in their life. And uh, like Casey, I, I didn't grow up with God in, in my household, and I came to my faith later. And for my boys to know the why behind the things that I'm doing and, uh, and, and to see my successes and failures as well. So the opportunity to be real with them. And, and, and again, there's just so many decisions in life that when I explain to them why, they don't understand it sometimes, but my faith has to be front and center if, if they're going to hear any of it. I could point my finger and lecture them and tell them, but we know your kids don't listen to that very well. They're pretty turned off by it, but, you know, when you explain to them, uh, especially in some of these really tough situations, I think that's got a lot of power. So most of you that know me know that uh, the truth when I say that I'm a man of, of many mistakes. Um, and this is where I think it's just gotten a little unfair in my favor because I've been living in a season where I've literally been experiencing God taking every, every wrong decision that I've made and using it for good. And my children have been in the middle of that and having the opportunity to see that too. So God's really forged a path that, that I didn't expect. And um, uh, 
So to say that my salvation and my relationship is personal is, is somewhat of an understatement at this point in my, in my life. And I would, I would even venture to say that if your relationship with Jesus isn't personal, it's probably not a relationship. Um, mm -hmm. And if it is personal, then your kids are gonna be watching intently, they're gonna be asking questions, and ultimately they're gonna want what you have. Now, I wanna emphasize ultimately, because God knows my parents who are here today, they knew Jesus. They knew him, and they knew him well. And they poured and poured in my life. Um, and I continued to run and run. So ultimately, can, can vary from a couple weeks to a, a couple decades sometimes, but God's word will not return null and void. Um, it will be done what it was sent out to do. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, it, it's so important, uh, especially guys that you hear this, it's not about somehow perfectly living this life for Jesus, but it is about with authenticity and, you know, giving our very best to, to who Jesus is in our lives. And uh, our kids pick up on that. They don't expect us to get it all right all the time. But sometimes parenting looks like picking yourself up off the ground and apologizing and getting on to the next chapter, right? Because, um, you know, our kids are around us a lot. And so hopefully our relationship really does, um, really does become apparent that it's a priority for us. But it's definitely not perfect. So, uh, so the next question, <clears throat> we talk a lot about widening the circle, which simply means that um, we as parents are not the only ones that have an influence in our lives. I mean, my dad was a great influence in my life, but I had a lot of other men that I don't know what my life would have been like without some of the other men that poured into my life and some of the other women that poured into my life. And so... Um, what does it mean to strategically surround your children with other adults who are also pouring into uh, your kids' lives? And so the question is, why is it important for you to surround your child or your children with other adults who are pouring into their faith, and how are you doing this? So I'm going to speak back to uh, the single parent mode. Um, when, when this question was asked, the first thing that came to my mind, one of my favorite Bible verses, Revelation 12, 11, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. Um, if we simply rely on our own testimony, we're really cheating ourselves and a faith-building opportunity for ourselves and our kids. Um, becoming a life group leader here for me was, uh, was amazing. It, it allowed me to, to serve in a capacity that I actually got to watch my children, you know, be a part of it, which was, was wonderful. Um, so this verse is kind of like offense, defense 101 for, for the Christian family because you have the offensive where, where you have all these opportunities to, to bring like-minded believers to, to pour into your kids' lives. And you also get to create and cultivate, you know, a, a crew that you can, that you can pull strength from um, as a parent and for your children. And uh, kids tend to gravitate towards the perceived strength. So uh, if we're not fortifying ourselves, then uh, it, it's kind of hard to stay strong for the family. The, the defense side of this is, you know, it doesn't really matter how big you are or how bad your faith is or anything like that, because the bottom line is you're one person. And, um, you know, I've never been able to, to form a, a hedge of thorns and wall of protection around anything by myself. But when I surround myself in community, um, I see it happen. And I've, and I've got to witness that with both my daughters. And you know, Marley just turned 13 last week, or, and we had a big party. There were six female life group leaders that came to her party. 
six of them, strong, amazing, independent, faith-filled women that, uh, that have been poured into her life for a long time. So as a, um, if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm the older person on the panel, <laughs> and I'm representing the grandparents. Uh, I've survived as a parent, and as Pastor Jerry said, certainly not a perfect parent by any stretch of the imagination. But one of the things I want to challenge us as grandparents, uh, my children, as they were growing up in the church, met and were mentored by some unbelievable <coughs> older people in the church, in the congregation. And they got a depth of experiences that I could not give to them, and my wife could not give to them. So the question I want to ask you, as a grandparent, we have a tendency to go to that old slogan, been there, done that, got a t-shirt, which means you're going to turn us down. Well, you're turning God down. You're turning the next generation down. So mm -hmm. I want to really encourage you. If you'd have been here to watch 525 kids run around this campus with 200 volunteers helping us spread the good news of Jesus, you would be so energized to know you have a place and you have a role in the kingdom and in this church. You know, there, there's, so much, uh, there's so much out there for kids to look at as they're trying to figure out who they're going to be and what they believe in. Uh, there's phones, uh, there's school, there's friends. And uh, when I was growing up, uh, I had a circle, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a godly circle. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that I learned uh, as a young man growing up were things of the world that had to be deprogrammed out later, you know. And... Uh, and so the environment we have today where our kids have grown up through ELC, uh, you know, they've, uh, they've gone to kids camp. Uh, they're now in life groups. Marty's the life group leader for my son, Andrew. And I, I almost can't believe it, uh, how amazing it is, the support and the network that we have when my kids come in and have to shake Don Jacob's hand and look him in the eye and they get a completely different vibe that's needed. You know, they need that and, and we have it here and it's, it's completely unbelievable, to be honest. I, I think my short answer is really just, again, coming back to community and who you're surrounding yourself with. Um, but as the dad with the youngest kids up here, I'm relying on the generation uh, ahead of my kids to, to feed back into the younger generation. Even though you're uh, in high school, you should, you, know, you should be serving or feeding into that, those younger age kids because Again, just like as a parent, your kids are always watching. As a middle schooler or high schooler, the, you know, the little kids are watching you guys. So, you know, th those are the things that I'm relying on, you know, as examples for, for my kids and the people that we surround them with. Mm. One of the things, too, for those of you that have small children, um, you, you're kind of the hero right now. But there'll come a time when they reach the teenage years where you're not cool anymore. And in those moments, you will pray for and desire that there will be other adults that they do think are cool that are pouring into them in the same way that you, that you do in terms of the faith. And it makes such a huge difference. And so, you know, while you're the most important influence 
um, for faith in your child's life, I hope you're not the only influence that you'll have others um, strategically there circling your kids that, that will make a difference um, in their faith. Uh, another question or, or another value is what we just call fight for the heart. And uh, as dads, uh, we all know that you know, discipline is a big part of how we raise up our children, responsibility, accountability, all those things. Uh, and so, you know, we have discipline, we have family rules that are kind of like those guardrails. But the truth is, um, our children have been known to crash through those guardrails uh, time and time again. And uh, it can be very tempting in those moments to kind of do what, what Paul says, exasperate your children. Kind of the point where we just kind of suffocate our children with the rules and the regulations. And, uh, and so in the Bible, I think over and over again, it's this balance between grace and truth. And so how, you know, how do we, in temptation to go overboard with rules, how can we at the same time fight for the relationship and keep the relationship? That's why I think when Paul talks about take your children by the hand, it emphasizes relationship. And so the question is, is how have you fought for your children's hearts and the relationship while still keeping them accountable? Yeah, this, one's, this one is so hard. And my, my heart is out there for all the dads. You know, my dad was a yeller. And, and the only acceptable answer was, yes, sir. Otherwise, it was going to go south. And so naturally, that's kind of what I like too, right? But it, it doesn't quite happen like that. And I, the reality is that our words can, can either build up or break down. And the words of a dad to your kids are wildly important. And it's really hard to do that, though. You know, uh, what's helped me a lot is, is as intense as it gets sometimes during accountability is your raising kids and your patience is down, you didn't, I mean, you can really lose it sometimes. But for our kids to know, for me to get down on a knee, for them to know that I love them, and then to share some of the why behind what we're talking about, back to why I believe this or why we're going to do it like this, and it's, it's usually coming from up here. Uh, but taking that extra time and really minding my words to not, to not break the hearts of, of the young men. Yeah, so again, you know, you got to be honest about this one. We don't, we don't have it figured out. It's, it's tough, especially when you have little ones that, like, you're trying to correct something for the 15th, 20th time. Um, <laughs> that, that, that gets hard. It's, it's a balancing act because then you're, like, all rules and no grace and, and freedom. Um, so, again, it's, you got to figure out how to take that pause sometimes and say, how would I want how would I want to be treated? How, you know, God's given me so much grace and freedom. Like, why am I, why am I hanging out in, you know, the authority side of it? So again, it's a balancing act. You know, not, you know, we're all going to be honest and say that like, this is a hard one. And, you know, we're not professional dads out there leading Ted talks. <laughs> uh, when I heard this question the first time, I, I immediately thought of, uh, what Rick Warren said in Pur Purpose Driven Life. Uh, the only thing we've got in life that we can give that we, we will never get back is our time. Um, to me, time with my kids is, is how you spell out L-O-V-E. Uh, letting them see that they're a priority. You don't win hearts and relationships um, when everything else comes first. Uh, and it's not always as easy as it sounds, but um, 
when your children understand how important they are to you, uh, it definitely helps win the hearts and, and the relationship while still being able to, to, to hold them accountable. Uh, the other thing is, you know, for me, what is, has worked fantastically is, you know, is finding places of, of purpose and passion that I can serve while still being a parent. And, um, you know, and, and kind of putting off the things that, that sound interesting but doesn't allow me to be a parent. When I'm a, allowed to be an apparent, just, just to use being a life group leader as an example, um, you know, it opens up so many different opportunities. One, to personally sit and watch my kids worship in their, in their own unique way is just such a blessing. Um, but two, you know, it's like uh, Pastor Jerry said, sometimes convincing your kids you're cool isn't as easy as convincing some of their friends. And if I can get two or three of their friends in my pocket, <laughs> you know, thinking I'm cool, it makes it so much easier for me to make my kids think I'm cool. And then they start seeing me in an entirely different light and I'm, I'm welcome to be a part of their life. And uh, that's, that's been an amazing opportunity that I don't know that I would have had without, you know, without finding, you know, that, that position as a life group leader. So as Dottie and I were first married before we had children, we, um, we decided church was gonna be a priority a high priority. And I say that to you because uh, I see parents who will do anything to make sure their kid gets to soccer practice, to make sure they get to a dance recital and all that. Very rarely do I see parents and dads who put a priority on getting them to the church, getting them what's more important than eternal life. And if we can give eternal life by exposing them to the faith that we have found, it will make a huge difference. And one of the things that I learned as a parent, learning, learned it more as a grandparent, I will be honest with you, than a parent, is to listen more, talk less, and pray often. Yes, amen. So true. I had, I had one other thing, sorry. Uh, Don just reminded me of it, but um, the other thing that, uh, that I'm so gracious for is, is when I invite God into my relationship with my kids, um, just how he shows up. And, and just one little example, I, I brought two girls, so, and uh, you know, I'm not a woman, so there's a lot of crazy questions that come my way sometimes. And I just made a, a, a habit of you know, saying, hey, I hear, I hear you, what you're saying, but I need five minutes so that I can fully hear everything you have to say. I go in the bathroom, close the door, say, God, no matter what happens out there, make sure the look on my face doesn't change and make sure that, that there's a trap in front of my mouth and only your words come through. Um, living my love for my kids through a, a standpoint of conviction has always been better than living my love for my girls through a standpoint of condemnation. Uh, conviction produces personal responsibility. Cond condemnation is just a, it's an assignment of guilt is all it is. Um, so I just always like to get quiet before I speak if I can. Gosh, if we could only do that. That's, that's probably, that's worth your whole price of admission here today. It's just taking that five minutes sometimes as parents just to stop the insanity, right? And actually hear from God and, and know how to minister his wisdom and his love in a critical moment. So thank you for that. So um, the next question talks about creating a rhythm. In other words, 
you know, if, if faith doesn't in some way, you know, faith values the way we live out our relationship with Jesus, if it doesn't show up on our calendar, if it doesn't show up in our time together uh, as a family, then it's probably not going to come off as all that important. And so uh, the question is, what kind of rhythms have you sought to create in your family's day-to-day to build faith in the life of your child? So I think there's a few things that, that my family does, and, and obviously as a dad, I want to, you know, be that leader point for, for things like that. I mean, you can, you know, do things as simple as just putting on worship music in the house, or I love dropping my kids off to school, and it, it's, we're either having a conversation or we're, we're listening to worship music and, and just kind of setting that tone. Um, you know, but also there, there's things like, you know, churches is an every weekend kind of thing for us and, you know, creating that rhythm of them going to, to beach kids. And I don't think, you know, I don't think any kids expecting you as a dad to necessarily write a sermon. Um, but something that I've done is, you know, I kind of coined the phrase smart lazy. Um, I, I immediately grab that parent cue when I pick up my kids from, from the beach kid classes and, I ask them questions that I want more than a one-word answer, like, hey, explain what this is, or describe to me what you guys, you know, talked about or sang about um, in Beach Kids today, because that creates a rhythm for them. It's not just they're going to um, a class for 45 minutes or an hour, depending on how far you go over. That's true. <laughs> but, it, but it creates that rhythm for us as a family, and if you can do something as simple as ask your kid a question at dinner off of that parent cue, how easy is that? Again, it's, it's not a, a sermon or anything like that. It's just, it's making that connection outside of, you know, the, the, the everyday things of the comings and goings from, you know, school or friends' houses. It's, you know, taking that moment and being purposeful in it. Yeah. This is, a, this is one of those situations where I'm so grateful for Beach Church uh, because I've never been a part of a church that produces so much opportunity. Um, they practically write your outline out for you if you let them. Um, you know, we, my wife and I serve on the connections team in the morning. Uh, Marley's uh, one of the student leaders for Beach, uh, Beach Kids. Um, Peyton was a student leader with Beach Kids while she was going through United. Uh, Marley's now in United. On Sunday nights, I get to go to United with her as a life group leader and as a father. Uh, you know, and as a student to some capacity. Uh, but, uh, you know, and Wednesday nights, we're back at life groups. Uh, Friday mornings, you know, I've got to keep myself fortified. So I have a men's group that meets at my house at 6.30 on Friday mornings. Um, you know, and it's just, it's a cycle. And, and my beautiful wife, she loves playing music all the time, which was absent as a single dad. But uh, I'm so grateful for that because like, uh, like Casey said, it just changes the entire atmosphere of the home. Mm. You put on some good worship music and it's, you can just literally just feel the negativity go. And uh, that's just wonderful. You know, a lot of the same stuff Marty said, you know, we've been coming to church a long time and the rhythms of church are healthy and, and fun. But I just think about the one thing is when our kids were pretty young is, is they would come when we were on the serve team opening doors and they would come open doors with us and shake hands and smile and just including them in what we do in our service. And, and they know we're in life groups, you know, and they're now in life groups and it, Beach makes it easy, you know, they really do. Yeah. I'd say a quick word that we have a tendency as fathers 
to want to compartmentalize our lives, meaning we have a work life, we have a fun life, we have a church life. And I think one of the biggest rhythms we can do is to combine all three of those so that our kids see that we're living out what we told them about. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just, you know, sometimes we think of church as, okay, I check that off of my to-do list. That's the church thing or the faith thing for the week. And um, yet when you, when it's, it's just life, right? Faith is life. It's just, it happens in the everyday conversations. It happens um, in the, the words that we use, the way we treat them and the way we treat other people. And so faith really becomes, you know, what it was intended to be, which is a way of life as opposed to an event. So, um, so last question. Uh, if you had one thing to share with dads and male role models today uh, who have an opportunity to impact the next generation, what would that one thing be? I think for me, the, the one word that kind of came out was intention. So what, what are you doing as a dad, regardless of how old your kids are? What are you doing as somebody that wants to be a dad or just a, uh, somebody that can be a male mentor uh, in the community? What are you doing for that generation you know, behind you? What, what are you doing to step out in, in faith for all that God's done for you and in, in, in your life. And kind of what, what Don said is, you know, as, as men, we can compartmentalize sometimes, uh, you know, certain aspects of our life. But if, if you're a, a, a guy and, you know, and you're in the professional world, I'm lucky enough to work from home. But if, if you're a man of faith, that, that should be present in all aspects of your life. When you go to work, you better be the hardest working, the most respectful you know, the most diligent and, and moral person in that company and you, because they're watching. The people that don't have faith, they're watching. Um, and you have to live every aspect of your life with intention. And something that I said previously in, in the last service is, you know, when it's, my, when it's my time to leave, I don't want my kids to say, man, my dad was a great salesman. That would be terrible. I want my kids to say, man, he had so much faith. He poured so much love and, and respect into us as kids and as, and as adults. Um, and, and he lived, you know, he lived that life as best he could. That, that's, what I, that's what I want. My, my job is just a small aspect um, of what I do. I owe everything to, you know, to God, obviously, but, you know, to my, to my family and anybody else that I can help. That's good. Yeah, I'd say uh, you've got to be willing to grow. You know, there's always a next step for every one of us. Uh, we're on a long journey to become more like Jesus, and our kids are watching every move. So the second part of that is be real with your kids, too, because they know it. And, and when I can model for them an apology, it's not a big deal, but how often do people apologize nowadays, you know? It's true. And so when they see these things and when they see struggles you have, to be honest with them, but be willing to grow and be willing to be humbled as well, you know, because that is what our faith is all about. So I'd, I'd use the word be present, and I'm not talking about attendance. I'm talking about actually being in the moment, being involved with your children, giving them quality time. And one of the things I said at the first service I wanted to share, Jerry said, we're not perfect parents. 
Many of you know I had a son in prison for eight years. Today, it's been four years he's been released. Amen. And that's an unbelievable celebration for us. But the bigger news is that while he was in prison, he got to share Jesus' love to a black magic guy and the guy accepted Christ while he was in prison. And it was amazing to me that the foundation we laid, even in the darkest place, our God overcomes that. In spite of our circumstances, our God is bigger than that. When I look back over the good, the bad, and the ugly of being a father, um, one thing that stands out that has, has seemed to work very well for me uh, was, you know, living my love through, through conviction instead of condemnation. And, you know, when I tithe my time, you know, I do it in places that I can be a parent. Um, the commitments that I make is what brings the consistency. Um, if I make no commitments, I do not stay consistent. Um, if I make a commitment and it's with my child, then I'm automatically accountable. Um, and that has been, that's been one truth in my life that, uh, that has rang true. Um, two things I would share. One is um, you don't have to be a, you know, nobody's going to be a perfect dad, but be a real dad. I mean, be real with, with your, your children. You know, I think that sometimes we have this public persona and then, you know, in private, we're a different person. In a world where there's so little trust, our kids need to be able to trust that who you are, you know, in one part of your life is who you are with them as well. That there's an authenticity uh, and an honesty about who you are. Uh, you're not perfect, but you're, you're a real dad that, that really does uh, give your very, very best to love and to um, honor the Lord as well as love your children. Uh, the second thing I've learned as a, as a grandparent um, so when I was a kid, uh, we didn't have smartphones. Uh, and so I don't know how you do it, parents. It's a, it's, it's a battle to have to deal uh, with parenting in a world of smartphones. But I've learned that, that, um, you know, like I have my phone out a lot with my grandkids because it's a camera to me. And so I'm always taking pictures. But I've really learned, like, sometimes I'll pull out my phone and I'll start looking at it. And they'll come over and they want to have my phone, you know, and I've, I've really just learned that, man, I don't want my grandkids growing up and thinking, oh, who's your grand, who's your, you know, G-Dada? Oh, he's the guy that was always on the phone. And, uh, you know, I want them, and that's kind of going back to what Don said, be present and, um, and, and be real with them. And, and they learn about how important this is by how important it is to us. And so if we can be in the moment with our kids and our grandkids, that will say a lot about um, just about our love for them and our presence. So, hey, listen, would you join me in just showing appreciation to these guys for doing such a great job? And thank you so much for sharing. These guys had to be here at 7.30 this morning to uh, be ready. So thank you for sharing your Father's Day with everyone online and here on campus. So, uh, so what I want to do now is as we finish, I just wanted to pray for us. 
pray for uh, our dads, uh, pray for uh, in gratitude for uh, the role models we have had in our lives that have made a difference. And, um, and, and as we're going to sing one more song today, and uh, we have the altar rails up here. I just want to encourage you. Uh, for some of you, it might be today might have felt a little awkward because it's like, man, I got so many regrets. Listen, your past is done, but today you can begin to rewrite the present and the future. I've seen, I've seen dads literally change generations because they drew a line in the sand. Today is a new day. God, I, I confess of the places where I've gone wrong and, uh, and I repent of that and I want to begin a new future with your help. And so maybe you want to come and just give that over to God and, and chart a different course with God's help for the future. Uh, maybe if, if your dad's here, maybe you want to just take them up to the altar and pray with them. Or, or uh, maybe we just want to come and give thanks to God um, for, for male role model figures in our lives that have made a difference. So, uh, and we also have the prayer stations in the back. So uh, in this time, let's just be intentional about worshiping God together and spending some time giving thanks. So let's stand together and I'm going to pray for us. Gracious God, thank you so much for each of the fathers and the male role models in our lives. God, they have, not, they have not been perfect, but they have chosen in some way, shape, or form to honor you with their imperfect lives. And in some way, that touched our lives. And because of that, we now have the opportunity to impact the next generation. And God, would you just remind someone in here today that whether they are 18 years old or whether they are 80 years of age, every single one of us has the opportunity to steward our one and only God-given life to in some way impact and influence the next generation for Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a church filled with men and women who are all about stewarding our lives to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for each of the men in our lives and for the difference they have made. May we continue to be faithful in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's podcast. We'd love to connect with you and hear from you on how this week's podcast impacted you. You can always connect with us through our app, Beach Church Jacks, which is found on the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store. And you can always go to our website, beachchurchjacks.com. Have a great day.